Word of God reads in Colossians chapter 3, verses 11 through 18. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And that is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessings to the reading, the preaching, and the hearing of his word. And all the church says, you may be seated. Well, as you know, we are in a series on God's household rules for his family. And we had a look at some of the general rules for God's household last week. But tonight we're going to focus on a specific rule given to wives. And the thing that we want to do as we look at this very specific command to wives is to unpack really a couple of words, maybe three words in this. The word wife and the word submit and then the phrase Um, as is fitting in the Lord. We want to look at those three things as we make our way through this text. So the first question I want you to consider tonight is, who are these wives that are being addressed? Who are these wives? In the context of the letter to the Colossians, the wives are Christian women. You have to go all the way back to the beginning of the letter. And as you walk through the letter, trying to figure out to whom Paul has written this letter and given these instructions, the wives are a part of that community. They're a part of the body of Christ that received this letter. And so before we get too far into the text, I want to remind you wives of who you are in Christ. You are saints and faithful members of the church. You are filled with faith, hope, and love. You have been delivered from darkness to light. Once you were alienated from God, but now you are reconciled to Him. You have received Christ the Lord and you walk in Him. You are filled up in Christ. You are members of the covenant community, circumcised without human hands, In the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, that is, circumcised by the Holy Spirit, marked with God's covenant sign. You were baptized into the death and life of Christ, buried with him in baptism and raised up with him through the faithful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Wives, you were made alive by God. 
You died to the elemental spirits of the world in union with Christ. You were raised with Christ and seated in celestial realms. And now you're undergoing spiritual formation. You are putting off the old self. Putting off the garments of the old life and putting on the new self. Putting on the garments of your new life in Christ. These are all things that Paul says about the church at Colossae. But as wives are a part of that church, all of these things are true of them. So the bottom line is that the wives that Paul addresses here are not just any and every ordinary kind of wife. They are baptized Christians, members of God's covenant family, living in union with Jesus Christ. And so by the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, these wives and you wives are becoming suitable helpers for your husbands. It's important for you to see who you are in Christ before you hear what God expects you to do. In other words, it's important for you to hear and believe the indicatives of the gospel of grace before you hear the imperatives of the gospel of grace. And so now that you know who you are in Christ and that you find your identity and your value and worth in Christ, then you can hear what God expects you to do. What must Christian wives do? Paul makes it very clear. They must submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, I know for some people, this falls on them like a ton of bricks. And we'll address that in a moment. But before you react, let's think about what this means. Submit means to stand under something. It means to give preference to another. And I want you to realize that God calls everyone and everything to submit at one time or another. So wives, rest assured that you're not the only ones in the history of the world. And you're not the only ones in the community of God's people to be commanded to submit. Throughout Scripture, we learn that different people at different places and different times and in different relationships are called to submit to others. In the body of Christ, generally speaking, we are called to submit to each other. Churches are called in Hebrews 13 to submit to their leaders. Leaders are called to submit to Christ. Christ was called to submit to his father. All of us at one time or another are called upon by God to give preference to other people, to yield, to give in, to let someone else take the lead, to step out of the way and let others bear responsibilities that we're not called to bear. And so it's okay in God's arrangement of things. It's okay to see yourselves as someone, as people who are under authority as we all must live under authority in different spheres of our lives. 
So God has called everyone and everything to submit at one time or another. So there's no need to get stressed out. There's no need to get defensive. There's no need to make excuses for why you don't need to re, uh, submit. We all do. According to apostolic tradition, the kind of submission that Paul is talking about here, wives to husbands, is a submission that is rooted and grounded in two massive things. The order of creation and the order of redemption. And it's important to keep those two things in their proper order. Order of creation, order of redemption. The order of creation comes first. And in that story, as we go all the way back to Genesis and other places in the Old Testament, we find that man was created first and then woman A husband is the head of his wife and he has authority over her and he has responsibility for her. Paul unpacks this in 1 Corinthians 11 when he says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband and the head of Christ is God. You see an order there, a chain of command, if you will, a hierarchical structure even. Man is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but a woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. And then Paul goes on to say, Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman, and all things are from God. What I want you to grasp here as we talk about the order of creation is that from the beginning, God established distinct roles and distinct responsibilities for both men and women, for both husbands and wives. As Paul just explained in 1 Corinthians 11, which stands in the background of Colossians 3, the relationship between man and woman, between husband and wife, is a symbiotic relationship. It means that they are mutually interdependent on each other. One cannot survive without the other. They need each other. You need each other. So remember, the woman came from man's Side. She did not come from his back side. She did not come from his feet. She came from his side. There's a reason for that. Something symbolic, isn't there? About a woman coming from man's side. Not from behind him or beneath him. A wife was built by God. In the Hebrew, in Genesis Uh, Man was made from the dust of the ground and God breathed into his nostrils. But when he took the rib from man's side, Scripture says that God built a woman for him. See the difference? It sounds different, at least. Made is one thing, but built sounds a little bit more special to me. A woman was built by God to be a helper at man's side. So she's taken from man, the rib is taken from man's side. The woman is built for man and then she comes back to his side. She is a helper suitable for him. She's to be under his arm and close to his heart, not a servant behind his back or under his feet. 
That's the imagery that the scriptures give us. Now, that's the original natural order of creation. So what happens when that order of creation is altered or inverted or even reversed? What happens in the world? Does anything happen? Are there consequences or implications for people tampering with that order? Yes, there are. And I'm glad you asked. Genesis 3 tells us that... That was the very situation between Adam and his wife. When Adam's wife abandoned her post and she attempted to take the lead in their marriage, the results were disastrous. And you know the story, right? One moment, they're walking around in the garden. The next moment, they're window shopping. The next moment... Eve is talking to a stranger. And the next thing you know, she's shoplifting, stealing something that didn't belong to her. And instead of putting it back, she gives it to her husband and says, hey, let's share this delicious fruit. It has all of these promises attached to it. And the rest is history. But the ripple effects of that event are felt even to this day. They're felt even now in the hearing of this message. Very disconcerting, very uncomfortable to relive that story and to enter into it again. Why should a wife submit to her husband? It's not just so that bad things won't happen. Sometimes there are wives who submit to their husbands and bad things are still happening, which I will point out in just a moment. Okay, so there has to be more reason than just that. A wife should submit to her husband because it shows that she understands how God has created, ordained, and designed the world. It shows that she understands how God has ordered things, and it shows her willingness to live within that order. In other words, it shows that she believes that it is fitting, that it is suitable, that it is good that God made the world in this way. And it pleases God when His creatures walk in His ways, but it displeases Him when they do not. So the ultimate reason why a wife would submit to her husband in the Lord, or as is fitting in the Lord, is not just to stay out of trouble, and not just so that bad things won't happen, and not just to keep her husband off of her back, But it's because she wants to please the Lord as a creature who has been redeemed by Christ. And that moves us to the order of redemption. I want you to see how Jesus fixes what is broken. He undoes the things that we have done. In the order of redemption, there is also a creative work of God, but it's different than the original one. A new man is first decreated by the crucifixion on the cross. And it is through that decreation of a man that a new woman is formed out of his side through blood and water. The husband still has authority and responsibility for his wife. But now the husband is called to a truer and better standard than even the one Adam had. So this is not a, the more things change, the more they remain the same situation. This is a situation in which man, husband, is now called to an even higher standard than ever before. 
In Ephesians 5, Paul describes a profound mystery about the relationship of Christ and the church and explains that every Christian marriage is an iconic representation, a visible depiction of the relationship between Christ and the church. And it's a depiction of Christ laying down his life for the sake of his bride. Think about it. As Adam was put to sleep in order for Eve to be formed out of his side, so in the order of redemption, Christ is put to death in order for the church to be formed from his side. And as the gospel story makes very clear, Jesus Christ came into the world to kill the dragon and get the girl. And that's what he's done. Now, husbands are called to imitate Christ and take the lead in this sacrifice and service for their wives. Husbands are to love their wives by laying down their life for her. We're going to talk about that more next week. You guys don't try to hide or run away. You need to come back. But for tonight, we're talking about a wife's responsibility in response to that love. A wife is called to respond to this sacrificial and serving love by humbly deferring to her husband. By trusting him to lead her. By letting him fulfill his calling with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to her nor to him. And that's just an echo from Hebrews 13, 17. To put it another way, wives, you must love your husbands with a submissive kind of love. Like the church, you may speak your mind, you may share your wisdom and insights, you may state your concerns to your husbands about a variety of things. But again, like the church, you must ultimately yield and follow the lead of your husband. Why? Because this follows the order of both creation and redemption. A husband is the head of his wife and his children. And that's not just some power trip, okay? This isn't just like the man has all the power and all the authority and he gets to, you know, rule with an iron fist over his family. No, what this means is that the husband bears the weight of the responsibility for you, wife, for your children, for your whole household. Your husband will give an account for his household in ways that you never will. It's often the case that when people grasp for more authority and power, that they do so without thinking of all the responsibility that comes with it. In the order of creation and redemption, God has put the weight of responsibility on the shoulders of men, husbands. And men and husbands who love Christ know that that weight of responsibility feels very much like the cross. I believe it's Tim Keller who says about marriage in general that marriage is best defined as cross bearing. Now, there's a way to say that where it's ugly and terrible and and mean, but there's also a way to say that where it's very beautiful and gracious and lovely. So, man, do not think of your wife as your cross to bear. And wife, do not think of your husband as your cross to bear in a, in a bad way. But you may think of marriage 
as something that's yoked you together under the cross of Christ. And it's something you bear together. But at the end of the day, the husband bears the weight of responsibility for your marriage, for your family. So keep that in mind. Don't let your attitude toward your husbands be characterized by a spirit of resistance, as if you must always get your way. And don't act as if your husband is an opponent to be overcome, as if you and your husbands were enemies. Rather, act as though you are the helper that God has built for him, that you were made for this man. And treat him as though he is the man that God gave you to have and to hold and to help. Men need help. Husbands need help, whether they ask for it or not. God knew that. It's not good for man to be alone. He's going to need some help. And he needs a suitable helper. He needs someone who will stay by his side and always be close to his heart. That's what husbands need. Now, to be clear, uh, submitting is hard work. It's hard work in marriage. It's hard work at work. It's hard work in ministry. I mean, submitting is hard work. We know that just by driving. All of us hate to yield. I prefer a stop sign to a yield sign. I hate a yield sign. I don't like yellow lights. There's too much decision to make there. And I'm inclined to not yield and move on, right? As people who ride with me know. Yielding is difficult. Submitting is difficult. And so we need more grace. But I want you to see that although it might not be apparent on first reading, there is grace built into this text for you in Colossians 3.18. We need more grace. So wives, to clarify a couple of things for you here. Wives, you are called to submit to your husband only. You are not called to submit to any other husband or every other man. You submit to your husband. And that means that the dynamic in your marriage is going to look a little different than the dynamic in someone else's marriage. Resist the temptation to compare your marriage with other people's marriage and your relationship with your husband with other people's relationship with their husband. I know you think other husbands are more lenient than yours and the wife gets away with murder and everything else. Or maybe not. Each family has its own culture. Each marriage has its own dynamic. And you need to live within that and enjoy that. And not play the comparison game. Wives, your husband is not Jesus Christ. I know you know that, but it bears stating clearly because often in marriage, people look at their spouse as if the spouse were some kind of savior, some kind of Lord. But your husband is not Jesus Christ. He is called to imitate Jesus Christ. And he's called to imitate Jesus Christ in the way he treats you. Which means that he needs to be sacrificial. He needs to show this selfless kind of love. He needs to serve you. He needs to do those things. And he needs to work at it with all of his might and do it as well as he can. And at the end of the day, when he's done all that's humanly possible for him to do... 
he still won't be Jesus. And something else you should know is that he is going to fail and fall short at his duties. So do not idolize your husband. Do not mistake him for Jesus. Keep in mind that he needs the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in his life just as much as you do in yours. So he will come up short. And it's your pleasure, it's your privilege to be the one who can help him. Not help him come short, but help him up when he fails. Not to point out how he's so unlike Christ, but to encourage him to be more like Christ. To nudge him along, to be thankful that you have a man who is at least making effort to imitate Jesus. So you come alongside him. That's what helpers do. You get up under his arm and close to his heart. We're going to get through this together. right? Wives, your calling to submit to your husband is not absolute and unconditional. It is conditional. And this is where we see even more grace in the text. I'm not saying that God's law is not absolute. I'm saying that when you read this passage, read the whole thing. Don't stop with wives submit to your husbands and put a period there. That would make it absolute and unbearable. Read the whole thing and you see that there is a condition. And this is the grace that you find in the Christian church that you don't find out in the Greco-Roman world, in Colossae, that you don't find in the United States of American culture. This is the grace that is attached to this command. Note well that it says, as is fitting in the Lord. Which means you must submit to your husband if and when he is leading you to do what is right and good in the eyes of the Lord. But you must not submit to him if he ever leads you to do what is wrong in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, there are times as you exercise wisdom and discretion that are yours in Christ, when you are going to distinguish between the need to obey God rather than obey man. It's important to get our, get our minds around this because pastorally speaking, we all know that there are some wives who are living with proud and difficult and foolish husbands. I'm talking about men who do not make an effort to imitate Christ in their marriage relationship. We know that there are wives who are suffering at the hands and, and the mouths of some husbands who are not imitating Christ. And sometimes they are struggling in a marriage under the gaze of men who twist and pervert texts like this. To simply rule over their wife with an iron fist. The Bible says you must submit to me. And then they put a period there. And whip their wives with the word of God. This is a terrible travesty. This is a painful perversion of the truth of the gospel. And so I want to be very clear about this. This is either for you or people you know that wives... If your husband does not treat you well, that is, if he does not try to love you as Christ loves the church, 
if he does not forsake all others and cling to you only, if he mistreats you emotionally with his words or physically with his hands, if he withholds love and affection from you, if he does not strive to provide for you and your children, you've got to tell someone. You've got to cry out for help. You need to let someone know that you may find relief and help in your time of need. So that might mean talk to your pastors, see a counselor, and if necessary, go see a physician or talk to the police. The word of God is not binding you here. So contrary to chauvinists who tend to mishandle texts like this and want to suppress their wives and subjugate women in general... We want to be clear that we want our wives and we want women to know that the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a chain that we use to bind you. It is not a weapon that can be used against you. And we want you to know that it is actually a key that unlocks the door of your heart, mind and soul. It is a shield that is intended to protect you body and soul. So what Paul says by the Spirit, submit as is fitting in the Lord, is far more radical, far more revolutionary than perhaps many people realize. As Paul says elsewhere, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The truth shall set you free. And we want you to be free, wives. We want you to be free in Christ, free in your marriage, free to live and love and enjoy your life in Christ and your marriage according to God's word. So wives, keep in mind as you hear this command, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Keep in mind who you are in Christ, that you are a baptized Christian united with Jesus Christ. You are very precious and you have infinite value. You are a daughter of God in the family of God. You belong here in this family because of the person and work of Jesus Christ and the grace of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that brings us to the final question I want to ask, the one that's on everyone's mind. How in the world can any wife... Submit to any husband. How in the world is this possible? I imagine that some of you wives are feeling a bit of stress at this moment, thinking, when will this end? Will it ever stop? Maybe you're also thinking about all of the yeah, buts and what ifs. Very important questions that can be addressed and should be addressed in private at another time. You might be wondering, how in the world can I ever submit to my husband, to a man who does X, Y, and Z, or to my husband, a man who doesn't do A, B, and C, fill in the blank. So this might feel like an impossible calling upon your life. Whether it feels impossible or possible to you, I want you to rest assured that there is good news here. There is good news. With God... All things are possible, for nothing is impossible with the Lord. And so remember, you are not alone in this. You are with the Lord. His Spirit indwells you, and you're in a community of people that encourage this kind of obedience in you. Okay? And not to discourage you at all. 
So if you're serious about obeying God's word, even on this sharp point, the most practical thing that you can do is this. Ready? How can you obey your husband? Here's the most practical thing you can do. You need to get up every morning and you need to get dressed every day. Remember what we covered last week? We talked about this last week, but it's worth repeating. You must put on Christ and his virtues one layer at a time every day of your life. How in the world can you ever submit to your husband as is fitting in the Lord? Mission impossible, right? Not so fast. You can do this if you first put on compassionate hearts, kindness, a general friendliness, humility, meekness. Bring your thoughts and feelings under control. Patience. Give your husband space and time to grow in the things of God, to lead you. Tolerance. Put up with each other. Bear with one another. Help each other out. Carry whatever part of the load you're able to carry. I say all of that to say that if you are serious about submitting yourself to your husband as is fitting in the Lord, you must clothe yourself with the faithfulness of Christ, not with the fig leaves of culture. You must clothe yourselves with the love of Christ, not with the lies that are fed to you from the world every day. And if you do these things day after day, you will soon discover that submitting, that letting go, giving in, yielding the right of way, helping out, will over time become more and more easy for you to do. And if you do this day after day, you will please your father, you will please your big brother Jesus, you will please your husband, and you'll do all this with the gracious help of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that little phrase in verse 18 is a lot to tackle. So let me pray that you wives will be able to do what the Lord has called you to do with the grace that He offers you in Christ. Let us pray.